You're listening to Talking About Performance with Tim Morrill. For video of this episode and show notes, go to mpfpt.com. Now on to the episode with Kevin Carr. What's up, team? Welcome back to the show, Talking About Performance. I'm here with Kevin Carr. You guys know Kevin because he's been on the show before. And any chance I get to sit down with Kevin and kind of pick his brain, I'm going to take it. So today is about a short episode. We've got about 30 minutes. And first, tell us what's going on. We're hanging out. We're in Denver. What are you yeah, doing in Denver? Great part of the country to be in. You know, I was out here for some CFSC work. Um, and I'm going to be shooting over to Utah to work with Vasa Fitness uh, with Brendan Rarick and Brett Bartholomew and Tim Anderson and able to score a couple extra days here in Denver. So we got to get outside, hike a little bit. And, you know, it's a good city. So we did a fun loop yesterday. We went, tell them what we did. We did all around Rocky Mountain National Parks. So we did Trail Ridge Road, jumped off cold places, hiked, managed to go like the whole perimeter of the park. So. Pretty good, full day. Nice day though. We got good weather, so. Kev planned it out, kind of. He was the the trail guy, the leader. I just went, I just went, went with him, taking notes, kind of trying to pick his brain the whole time. Um, and that's what I want to do a little bit today. Um, you're one of those guys who's constantly moving forward, constantly new projects. I love it. So any chance that we get to kind of, hey Kevin, what's going on? What what are you doing this summer? Um, what's on your brain? What kind of projects? So got about 30 minutes let's kind of take it wherever we want to go with it what are you up to this summer you know lots of continue trying to build cfsc you know travel doing a lot of that but then you know i'll dive right back in next week into mike ball strength and conditioning our summer program starts on monday uh our interns start on this monday so we'll start getting them up to speed go through staff training for the next week um and then the week after that we go right into our performance program so all our athletes a lot of our college and pro guys are back but then the high school kids will start to roll in and, and we'll be going on full gears right through through August. So um, just put the coaching hat on really right. through most of the summer. Some CFSC events, but in the summer it's really just weekends. So you can kind of be at home and be, be at the gym. So I'm looking forward to, to diving right back into that. You know? Right. Yeah, you're a practitioner and mm-hmm. that's what's kind of neat is everybody kind of with CFSC, uh, Mike included, really does a nice job going out into the industry and coaching coaches and being an influencer and a teacher. Um, but you also really stay true to, Hey, I've got to take clients. I'm still going to coach groups. Um, and I love that. Yeah. Well, I think that's how you stay in touch. And obviously as you grow in the industry, you don't want to be turning, you know, 80 hours a week on the floor. That's not a sustainable way of work, but also if you don't do any, you become really stuck. And I mentioned Mike and I think, the reason Mike has been able to continue to grow, he always says, oh, I reserve the right to change my mind, even in his 50s now. Um, and he's been doing this for a long time, and he's always, he's always pushing us to continue to try new things. But I think that's a result of him being active and looking for, actively looking for better solutions to the problems that he sees in the gym every day. And that's that's something I try to always remember, like, hey, you got to go back and stay stay down in the dirt a little bit. Right. You know, and, and do some work. So so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's that Gary Vaynerchuk concept, clouds and dirt. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta be on both sides of it, you know? Right. So well speaking of that, I went to the MBSC winter seminar and kind of two big things that I know that the, the kind of uh MBSC family is is working on this year, um, or that has been on your mind and Mike's mind is culture and conditioning. Mm-hmm. So Mike just released uh youth conditioning project yeah. product. Um, and today you actually just published a video about uh, modified Cooper's test. Yeah. So this is kind of one of those things uh, in the performance field that's somewhat hard to understand, uh, it, at least in my experience, because we've got so many different terminology looking at anaerobic, aerobic, alactic, lactic. Is it really lactate? Is it, you know, we could dive deep into a rabbit hole. 
but the, the one of the things I love about uh, just this the MBSC program and the way that, that you work is KISS. Let's let's keep it simple, right? So let's we, we want an athlete to get started with conditioning. What are we looking at? Are we doing any tests leading up to get some data? Do we need heart rate monitors? Do we not need heart rate monitors? Tell us where you're at with it. Well, just kind of going back to what you said first is is I think it's easy to get confused. It's easy to make yourself confused and it's even easier to confuse others when you talk about a lot of stuff. And I think it's important to understand like basic exercise physiology. Um, but at the same time, the more we can make it simple and avoid divisive language, like where you're kind of using your own terms. Right. Because like, I think a lot of us want the same things, but we want to do it our own way. Right. Mm -hmm. But if we can make it very simple, so it's not about us sounding smart and make it easier for everyone to understand and then make it easier for the lay person to, Hey, if I go on the internet, I want to learn how to condition myself because I can't afford a personal trainer. Like if I'm throwing around a bunch of physiological terms, it's going to be even harder for them to get through that. So the big thing is trying to make it simple. And I think sometimes you got to get past the ego and Mike does a much better job even than, than me or, or any of the other guys in NBC doing this is he really parses it down to as simple as possible. So that's the first thing is I think it's easy to get caught up. It's sometimes nice to read all that stuff, but then it's easy to get caught up in the language mm -hmm. and then it's harder to understand. And sometimes I think people are talking like, you don't even know what you're saying, right. you know? Um, but kind of from a practical standpoint, like you said, I, I've been posting a lot about heart rate based conditioning training and things like that. And I get a lot of questions from people, um, kind of asking me like, well, how do you determine intensity? How do you determine recovery? So I figured I'd dedicate a few episodes, um, to, assessment and then actually showing interval work like me getting on the bike or an athlete getting on the bike or doing running and then understanding okay look at the heart rate monitor we want to see them reach down to you know x number or we want to see them recover so much in between each bout because i think you have to show them practically it's very hard to just write it down on paper mm -hmm. and then for people from people to be able to take that and be like, okay how do i go execute right so i just wanted to create some videos for people to understand that and the modified cooper's test is a really easy um, time trial on the bike about seven minutes you can get a lot of usable data from you can get threshold heart rate you can get max aerobic speed so you can determine the the maximum intensity you want someone at um when they're doing interval work on the bike and then their recovery in between so it's it's fairly simple very practical and then we actually have a chart which i'll work into some of these videos that helps you determine the right number right right for people to work at so because you just don't want people blindly doing interval work as hard as they can right but then you don't want them going slow either so you got to pick a number for them right, right. Um, and, and you'll have a group of people who always work so hard, they'll bury themselves. You have a group of people who will always kind of dog it. Whereas if you can assess and give them the right number, then everyone's going to get the right intervention. And that's, that's really what you want. Right. So is that to say that almost all athletes should have heart rate monitors? Yeah, absolutely. I think I, now for me, it's almost a non-option to not have Right. Because you get, it's very, they're cheap, they're right. durable. They, they're very easy and user-friendly. Like, we use the MyZone system. Okay. And it's, like, done by colors. Like, you don't even need to look at the numbers. I say, hey, just wait till you get to the blue. Wait till you get to the green. Nice. And then, hey, I don't want you to go past the yellow. Like, I, make it as simple as you can. Right. Right? And um, it just, it's enhanced all of our training in MBSC, whether it's with general population or with athletes. It just makes it much more accurate and easy and user-friendly. So. And you have all those uh, screens on the wall now that can actually show the heart rate. So while you're doing your work you can look up and see what zone you're in yeah well it's amazing because we'll like we'll have some athletes and like you'll be running tempos and have all these guys running together and i'll be like hey you gotta recover back down in green right and i'll have some guys who are like 30 seconds they're there i'm like all right go 
and then all the other, these other guys have to wait like 90 seconds to go. Yeah, and right. if we try to keep them just on a time interval, one guy's not working hard enough, one guy's probably working way too hard. Whereas if I can give them, you know, a specialized approach by them just looking at the screen, then everybody wins. This is such a huge point because so many people just, hey, what should I do for conditioning? What should I do for conditioning? It's like, well, first, what's your resting heart? What's your resting heart rate? We need to know that. I mean, if we have an athlete that's at 65 beats a minute, mm -hmm. that's what's that going to tell us versus an athlete who's down at 40 beats a minute? Yeah, I mean, it's especially early, important very early on in the training, right? So, like when they first come in the off, in the off season, a lot of these guys they won't be completely out of shape, but they'll be deconditioned maybe can, compared to where they might be right. in the summer, right? So you want to be very spot on on okay, let's hit them at the right heart rates. Then towards the end of the summer, this is something we talked about the other day. It might make sense to go towards time-based conditioning towards the end because when these guys come back to the NHL, they can't be like, hey, coach, I can't go back out on my shift because like my heart rate, I'm still in the yellow. Right. right? right. It doesn't work like that. Right. So you actually, eventually, you got to adapt the heart rate to the to the time interval. Right. But if they're in shape and you're getting them in shape over the summer, that shouldn't be a problem. Right. Right. But early on, to make sure you're not like burying these guys, like third sprint in, they're like, oh, I'm freaking dying. Right. Um, or on the other side, we see people going through the warm-up um, and they're steadily like, heart rate's elevated, and I'm like, okay, take a break before you go throw that med ball again. Right. Right, because I want to actually get power out of that. So it just, it just makes you more accurate in, in, you know, a lot of these things you might be able to tell by intuition if you're a coach, if you're paying attention to athletes, right. but if you can see the numbers and then they can see the numbers, then it goes a long way, and throw, it's like $100 for a heart rate monitor, right. so it's, it's worth the money. So basic data would be resting heart rate, mm -hmm. and then we would want to do a Cooper's test to get max aerobic speed, and we would want to measure how long it takes to get from max heart rate down to, uh, what would you call that? Yeah, so one minute heart rate recovery is just a good measure of aerobic fitness. And if you see somebody who gets up and then it takes them like a couple minutes to, to get down like 30, 40 beats, like that's someone who isn't like replenishing oxygen mm. quick enough, right? Whereas if you, you have someone who can in, in a minute drop down like 40 beats plus, like that's pretty good. Right. Right, so you, it just helps you kind of know, okay, where are people at? Or from a stress standpoint, it's just like a readiness. Like some days, if I'm like all jacked up, travel, jet lag, didn't sleep good, my recovery's not gonna be as good. Or my resting heart rate might be a little bit higher. So just from a readiness standpoint, when I'm, we're foam rolling and I see everyone's heart rate every day, like they're like 60, 65, like they're, like they're, they're always around the same part. Place. Right. And then I see some guy come in one day, he's in 70 something, I'm like, okay, well, why are you jacked up today? Right. Right, and then you just kind of take notes of these things. So it's, it, it's, there's just more data, and then data is only good if you make use of it. So then, kind of get it all together, and then right. helping to make decisions. So, so those are three very easy data points. Yeah, very simple. What What do you make of these newer technologies uh, like the rings and the whoop and the things that uh, really get a lot of data, like HRV and yeah. uh, recovery? And again, I think data is great, and then it's just how are you going to aggregate it and make use of it? Like you can be paralyzed by it, and sometimes I think data mm. can get people to become very dogmatic or like think very uh, close, like they have blinders on, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not the point. It's supposed to open up your eyes to everything, right? right? So you don't turn your back on your coaching intuition, your conversations and your experience, but you put all that together to help you make a decision, right? right? So I think sometimes people get paralyzed by it, but find out what works for you. I think every setting and every population, every coach is going to have different use of different data points, right? Right. Like I'm in a, private setting with a bunch of high school kids mostly so really a big data collection doesn't make a lot of sense for me right because it's hard enough to get these kids to just like tie their shoes with like shelf on top right right so if i have to ask them to go to the ipad and fill stuff out on their own like 
that's a battle I'm not always going to be willing to fight. But right. there's some simple ones like RPE plus the heart rate data. Um, and then my conversations with, with them, that works. But if you're in a setting where you have more control, like you're in a professional team setting, like some of the guys we were with this week, like that's part of the job. These guys have to do all that. So it's, then you can make use of stuff to be more accurate. Right. And, and every setting and every environment is going to be different. But I think you, you just got to try it and, and see what works for you. you right. Know? But I think you have to look at something. You can't not look at anything. Right. And would that change with uh, a very elite athlete versus a beginner level athlete? Absolutely. I mean, a beginner athlete, I, I think you're just going to focus on the basics. You're not going to worry about too much. Right. And you don't want them to get, you don't want to train them from a very early, early age to just think about the numbers that they see. Right. As in any career, things get more complex as you progress on in, in any field. Right. So as you kind of grow, I think you start to add those data points in. But for like my 12 year old kids, like if I have them checking the bolt belt and like, I don't even get a belt for those kids. Like, just come in and play around. Right. right? We'll worry about this stuff as you get older. Um, and then just continually progress that. Yeah. Right. Now, maybe take that into what we were talking about the other day with, like, these super elite athletes that they, like, less is more. We just need to keep them healthy. We don't need to be uh, – you remember the other night at the, yeah. when we had dinner? You kind of – that versus – one of those guys that just thinks they need to grind, they need to put in more work, and that they may not be quite as talented. The, the role of a strength coach, how do you kind of recognize what, uh, you know, when to pull back and when to add more? Yeah. So this kind of came from the conversations of us talking about training like NFL guys and like really elite athletes. And you realize that lots of times when you get some of these pro guys and, and they're already going to the pros or they're, they're an elite college level is – you didn't make that body. They, 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 that's given from from however we believe they were created. That's how they got that body, right. and that's how they got those technique. That that's uh, all those gifts and those talents. And our job is to enhance what they have to the point of like, hey, I want to make sure that you feel good every day. I want to make sure you can go back and practice every day. I want to make sure you can practice those sports skills. When you wake up in the morning, I want you to not hurt as much as you would if you didn't see me. Right. Right. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in performance, performance, performance that you start to sacrifice their health or their longevity because you want to keep loading these people. Mm-hmm. And I've seen like NFL guys come through our career, through our uh, facility, 10 year career. And I just remember Mike saying to me, our job's just to get him to another contract, get him to another year. Right. Right. Cause if he shows up with his talents and the strength level that we're going to maintain with him and the power level we're going to maintain with him and continue to make sure he moves well, mostly, then he'll keep playing. Right. And that's the most important thing. And 10 years in the NFL or a, 13 year career in the NHL I've seen guys have less it's about okay how can we make sure you feel good right because guys don't want to play a sport if they hurt right right and if you're beating the hell out of them in the weight room and and drilling them and drilling them more than they need to be and then they go off their field and they're like oh, I don't feel good right and it's not going to be a good situation for them so right. I mean just make sure they're not getting weaker make sure their body feels good and and, and you've probably done your job I right. sometimes we overstate what we think we need to do right now sometimes you have these guys like our grinders like we have these all these guys with AHL and NHL back and forth on the line. And those guys are going to work hard, but still, health is priority one. Right. Then you go down the list of performance, right? So, yeah, and, and, and maybe some of these guys need a little bit extra to get over the hump, but sometimes it's not necessarily uh, they're, that they're like, oh, they're not powerful enough. That It's usually like a body size issue, so too small, too thin, whatever. We try to build those, but just, just get them healthy. The biggest, once they say, the best ability is availability. Right. Because I, I don't know who was a football, <laughs> a football coach. I don't know what quote, what coach said that, but they said like, 
best avail the best ability is availability. Can get can they get on the field? Right. And that's our job is to make sure that they can, they're available on the field and they feel good. Right. So always got to focus on that first. Yeah, and that's kind of a battle I think I experience a lot is a lot of people show up to sessions with a ton of energy. They're like, oh, Tim's got energy. Like we're gonna go hard. We're gonna lift hard. And it's like, wait a second, is that really what you need? You know, you've been, your, your sport coach wants you to just grind doing these skills nonstop. So a lot of times it's our job to make the athlete feel better so they can be available. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another reason that getting that basic heart rate data makes sense, right? Because we know if this athlete is overtrained or we can, you know, those grinders, we can say, hey, I need you to stay in, in the green or red or whatever it is or below 165 mm-hmm. um, so that we don't cross that threshold. And I think that that... That's kind of a cool segue to, you know, this less is more slash like the strength uh, and power side of things. When we look at a simple program like the MBSC strength program, I would call it simple Um, versus some of these uh, newer things that, you know, we look at and say, is it really necessary? For example, triphasic training. And Cal is a tremendous strength coach and we've learned a lot from him. Uh, but when it comes to just the majority of athletes with a training age, let's say zero to three, where do you stand on kind of, do we really need to isolate eccentrics and isometrics and really go down that rabbit hole? Or do we just, can we just keep it simple and, and stay brilliant at the basics? Well, I think any beginning athlete would benefit greatly from, you know, three years of concentrated strength training focused on just adding muscle before they chase any qualities that are related to their sport. Right. right? Um, most people just need that. And that's a tall order for a lot of people. Like, cause a lot of people don't start lifting weights. Those like we have kids who come in, in high schools, probably like middle of high school is the average age. Right. So then they get into college and then they kind of have, if they keep coming back, then they'll get better by the time they come to college. But if they're just lifting in college, typically their, their strength training education might be a little flawed. Right. Right. Um, and then continuing through their career they're if you're an athlete, you're only training small blocks. So I always tell people like the majority of your people you're going to train, it's hard to have a long period dedicated to training where you could really like get fancy with periodization like some of these models you might have mentioned, right? right? Because typically if you're in high school, hopefully they're multi-sport athletes. So you have off you have in between seasons, you have in season, you might like our summer is going to be like maybe a 16 week block. Okay. Then they're going back to their sport. Right. And if these kids are playing hockey, they're probably also playing hockey over summer. So there's a lot going on. Then when you have professional guys, like you just have one off season, the end of season. So it's like, you don't have these long blocks to say, Hey, we're going to focus just on this quality, not on this quality and do like kind of block programming. We found a lot of success being concurrent and putting everything in and then doing slow, like doing a little bit of waiting in different phases. Like, Hey, we're going to focus a little bit more on, um, you know, tempo work in this condition, this phase. Then we're going to work a little bit more on like this aerobic power type stuff on the bike. Then we're going to do a little bit more, um, like contrast work towards the end of the, the end of the phases before the end of summer, do some power focus. So, but the, there's a threat of everything through everything we're doing. And I, we found more success there because the program can be a little more simple and a little more balanced because pr- schedules are unpredictable. Um, everything's unpredictable. So if you, if there's less, um, technical things that can go wrong and there's less variables, it's easier to manage an athlete. I don't want to make it more difficult for my coaches and for people that are coming in there. Totally. Right? And when you talk about um, the triphasic, I like the overall de- idea. I think any good program will focus on all parts of a contraction, right? Like I think everyone should, should get some sort of isometric piece mm-hmm. in their training. I think that's valuable, right? And I think there should be some sort of eccentric focus. That's one piece, right? 
um, to be able to get the tissue to be able to tolerate um, taking on a load like that. And then obviously a huge part of what we do is going to focus on the concentric piece and then the power output. And he's built a model, Cal's built a model that really works for him because that's his setting. Right. And he has control there. And that's what I think people, they have, you always have to understand context. Right. Because that is his model that he works there with his people. Like he gave you his, his cookbook. Right. You might not have the same kitchen as him. You know, you don't have the same ingredients. Right. You don't have the ingredients he has at that university. Trust me. Most people don't. And you, and you don't have the control and the setting, the environment. So at, as strength conditioning a whole, this is a message. You take that cookbook that he gave you and say, okay, what can I take from this for my kitchen? Right. And build like what I want. And that's what I was able to get from that. Right. Right. And I think everybody's going to be able to take different pieces, bigger, smaller, their own interpretations. And that's fine. I generally think it's going to make them better. Right. Right. But I always, like I said, this is my perform better presentation. And that was that like, don't get caught looking over the fence. Like the guy in home improvement, what's his name? Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, I think you're always looking in the neighbor's yard, the other strength coach's yard. Right. And you're like, oh, I should be doing that. Right. Like, well, what's your yard look like? You don't have room for a pool. Right. Right. Like do the best you can with what you have and do right. the best you can in your environment. And you're going to build the best program that way. When you don't, I think you end up having a mess in the weight room. And that's what happens all the time. Right. You know, so that's awesome. I love that analogy. Yeah. And that's the context, right? Like Cal is working with elite level, high training age athletes that are, he's trying to prepare mostly to go on to play professional yeah. sports. And that's very different from these high school athletes or, you know, the, a lot of my site members, because a lot of these athletes just haven't ever trained before, Yeah. but they see something, a fancy word like triphasic and they kind of gravitate to what's new but it's like, do you really need that? Let's start with, you know, basics. Like why not in the, in the first phase do some eccentrics and some isometrics? Yeah. Like it makes sense. I don't know that we necessarily need to do four weeks of each, yeah. you know? Okay, cool. So let's finish up here with what are just some game changers this year? Like what, let's start with maybe what have you been reading? And then I want to just hear about basic lifestyle hacks that's helped you. Yeah. Um, I'm always re- like I always have different books. Like I'll have like a, a book that's not related to training at all. Right. I'll have a book that's more science based, and I'll listen to something. So um, right now, um, I'm reading a Shy Tao book on breathing. I'm actually rereading it. It's called Recognizing Training Breathing Disorders. I like that one a lot. Very practical based. It's by a bunch of practitioners, so it's like has a bunch of tests, and evals, and things like that. And I like that. So I'm trying to focus on a lot of manual skills this year, mm-hmm. personally for me. Um, so I'll probably take a fashion manipulation course, something like that. That's my goal. Nice. education this year. That'll be, that'll be a good experience. Um, and then like projects and things, you know, we're just looking at, I'm continually looking to just refine movement as medicine and build certified functional strength coach and, and, and keep getting the gym. The gym's doing great. Mike, Mike's doing an amazing job and the staff there's doing an amazing job. So you make sure the, the train stays on the tracks, you know, right. but you know, always looking for something new. So if you have anything for me, I'll dive into that too. Totally. Okay. Lifestyle hacks. There is one that I really liked. Um, you're, you're, you get up early almost every day and you're just committed to that. You said your father is committed to that. Yeah. And I love that cause I've been here for two days and we've been up before 6am both days. Yeah. Um, and what do you do at night to make sure that you can downregulate, get to sleep? I did a video on this recently too, actually. Yeah. We'll link to that. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Um, few things real simple most i said most people have really bad sleep hygiene when you talk to your clients like it, like we know the lifestyle like nutrition is usually a problem right but when you look at their sleep you'll be like oh wow you really right. don't have to figure it out 
um, one, get rid of all the lights in the room. Like the other night, like I covered that little thermostat that was over there. I covered because I'm like, I, I notice it. Right. And we know that that, that affects melatonin release, even on a tiny little light like that. Right. So one, get the lights out. Get blackout shades. The shades here were great. Just mm-hmm. all those things dead shut. Okay. Um, turn the temperature down. Like 64 degrees is going to be a better, anywhere between 60 and 68 seems to be a better temperature okay. for people to sleep at because you end up sweating and temperature goes up. Um, shower before bed. Gets your, you actually get your body temperature up. Then it plummets down, so your internal temperature gets a little lower. So, so hot shower, hot shower, and then you're because be then your body's gonna cool off right right after. Um, and then you, it's actually it's an easy hack to drop your body temperature down. Um, and then before bed, trying to stay off the phone, computer, and if you are using blue blockers, mm. they're like real cheap. Get them for like ten bucks on Amazon. Um, yeah, or you put like Flux or something on your phone. Like I need to show you. I got, I did this thing on my phone. I don't know. Jordan Newman showed me this. I go like this. Nice. It, so it's like red. What, and that's a flux on for your phone? No, so you can get like, there's things will change the color of your phone, but there's, he had posted on his Instagram, Jordan Newman, who's uh, intern for us and work for us. And there's actually, we can go on your phone and, and program it so that three clicks takes right of all the blue lights. Right. So it's easy, like if, I, I'm gonna get text at night, but if I do that, I don't feel like I'm like staring right. into like a bright flashlight before I go to sleep. Right. So those little things really do make a difference. Like I sleep really well. Melatonin, um, pretty much, especially when I'm traveling, changing time zones. Um, zinc and magnesium are all, take those regularly right. those are all gonna help you sleep so those are every night pretty much cool all right last questions you've been to uh how many how many countries now with cfsc no i don't even know a lot a lot yeah just what's the coolest country that you've been to i love brazil yeah um, but i'm going to germany next week so those are those are like my two those they'll both get upset if i say they're my favorite because i right. love both of uh, those two places the most right and i'm pretty the most comfortable there like brazil's very beach beach like i like germany i like the beer i like the the people there have fun. Um, but we did one with uh, Roma in Italy with the soccer organization. That was pretty cool. That was a cool experience. Yeah, it was beautiful. Well, just to be in the soccer facility, work, working with them. Like, I had the opportunity to work with the Nuggets this week. So right. every week's like, say it's like another Super Bowl each time because, like, you get to meet a bunch of people. You make at your reunion. You see friends. Right, like that. right. So, I mean, they're all great. Uh, I've just been blessed with the opportunity to, like, to do all these uh, events and meet all these people. So it's been totally. Good. And we're blessed with the opportunity to get Kevin on the show again. So thanks for making this happen. We're going to get your flight. Good yes. hiking uh, yesterday. Yeah. And let's keep building. I'll link to everything that Kevin mentioned. Make sure to check out his YouTube show. It's called The Movement. The Movement, episode 10 coming out today. And uh, yeah, thanks for watching. We'll see you guys soon.